I love City Image. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the City Image Podcast. I'm here with a lovely cast of characters. Lovely. Um, to my <laughs> left. Well, first of all, I'm here. I'm here. Rich the husband in the building, y'all. Um, I missed you guys. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm you, finally settling in. You didn't leave me beat to step two, though. I didn't. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yo, I didn't. <laughs> Every was, time. It wasn't oh Amazon Prime. Gosh. That's why. <laughs> Low key, when I order something that's not Amazon Prime, I feel like I'll never get it. Yeah, that is really. Mm-hmm. I'm just so like, ah, it'll get here next year. It's spoiled. Mm-hmm. They spoiled I'm spoiled. Us. Talk to the people, Danny. What's going on, guys? Daniel the Creator. Mm, with the little carrot top bun. We appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate the carrot it's top like bun. like a samurai bun. Samurai bun. bun. Mm. <laughs> carrot top. Mm. That's not a good reference. Oh, um, man. I'll take it. He's the second prettiest person here. Ooh. Oh. I, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. You meddled, though. <laughs> you meddled. <laughs> I meddled. And I mean, hey, you know, I, I don't mind. I don't mind. So who else did we got? Mm, who we who we got? Oh, we going. I go third. Yeah, Yo, Brian theological giant in the building. <laughs> Back like I never left. Word. Shout out to Swoop. Third hottest. Third hottest. Third. hottest. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take you. You on the podium? I'll take. I'll take the bronze man. You know what I'm saying I'm just here because I'm, I have a good voice. <laughs> I have a good we, personality. We need, oh, <laughs> oh, we need that man. But we have someone special here. Mm. Not, not new though. Mm. We have mm. a friend of of a uh, city image. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's coming in first place. Are. She's in first place. No. She's definitely in for gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> beauty on our panel. Oh my today. god! Check the hair. It's just because of the hair, guys. Hair? It's just the hair. <laughs> That's what's up. It's just the hair. Now I forget. See, I wasn't here when you recorded. So, what is your name? You're Lordess. I am Lordess, the principal. There principal. <laughs> there you go. AKA the woman with principal. Yes. Yeah, I remember I like her. That. She she was on the city image takeover, but she's back now. I'm mm. back with the fellas. Where is? So is this your third? Second. 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 No. Second. Second. Yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Number two. Man, this is awesome. Well, guys, you guys are in for a treat today. Absolutely. Today we're going to be talking about. Um, just our education system. But before we get into that, I really think it's we something we need to address, which is this Black Panther phenomenon. <laughs> um, breaking records in terms of the pre-orders. I'm seeing all oh kinds God. of memes. I'm seeing people oh, picking out their outfits yeah, celebrities oh. to go to yes. Black Panther. People who never would have gone to any kind of Marvel production yes. or making plans. My mom who don't even know what a Black Panther is. <laughs> she only know about the sixties Black Panther. Like halfway through <laughs> she might be like, yo, this is demonic and leave. <laughs> but she's going. So yo, what, have y'all got tickets? Like what's Early. the plan? Yeah. Tickets mm-hmm. already purchased. Wow. Whole girl group got outfits. There We're coordinating. Oh, yeah. Like we the are in here. Wow. Oh, Head gosh. wraps, cocoa butter, shea butter. Yes. We're all in there. Yo, goodness, this is gonna be amazing. I mean, it's I. It's just like I'm just so happy to be black. Mm. <laughs> like unapologetically, like yeah. yes, we're gonna revel in this, and there's not gonna be an ounce of shame. Mm. No, there's like. like I just want to be ignorant black. Like, just yeah. like <laughs> black, 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 be black. Black, be black, and Whole I'm black, crew. y'all. We're yeah. here, Black <laughs> Panther, <laughs> just black. Yeah. So, you know what's funny? Um, somebody online was just like, yo, like, black people are going in about Black Panther. And I thought about it for a second. And 
as I watch what my daughter watches, like what she consumes content wise, I realize white people have this moment all the time. Like mm-hmm. there's so many shows yeah. where she's watching and there's no people of color in yeah. the show whatsoever. Absolutely. And so it's just like, man, like we're going crazy because this never happens for us. Never like, happens. We never have something where it's just like, yo, it's not, yo, but did you see that black dude? Yeah. Right? Did you see the black girl? Yeah. It's like, nah, that's the whole cast. Everybody yeah. black. Yeah, and it's a positive representation of us in the media, which yeah. is also hard to come by. Right. A mm. king who is also a hero. Right. Who's going to take care of his country, you know mm. what I mean? And rule in righteousness. Yeah. Hey, Almost like about Jesus? Okay. You know? <laughs> what? I'm saying. I'm just saying. Bring it back, y'all. We, come on. Can we get yeah, images what? of black, especially black men like yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on. Wakanda's heaven, y'all. Wakanda is heaven. <laughs> may, may Wakanda be on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, that's it's so crazy. And then like just with the uh, the whole story behind it, Wakanda being the most technologically advanced country in the world Absolutely. of their world. And it's just like, man, like yeah. that's something you would never think of when associating with like an African nation. Exactly. Well, actually, historically... African we nations were, were exactly. more That's technologically great. advanced than Europe. So this is actually an accurate telling of right. okay. history as okay. opposed to Lord as the principal fantasy. teaching us. I mean Mansa Musa, like he's real. Yeah. 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 But unfortunately I think, you know, we've just been showered with images of like blow darts and spears Absolutely. and yeah. loincloths that we forget that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I got tickets. I will probably see this movie depending on who I go with maybe about three, four times. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have movie pass, so I can go at least once a day. Yay. Because the scenes that I've seen of Black Panther, the character in Civil War, was oh, Civil War? No, yeah, Civil, yeah, Civil War, War were incredible. Incredible. Gosh. incredible. So I'm here for all of it. I This is the first movie where I've actually done a blackout. I have not watched one trailer, read one wow. article. I don't even know like any scene from the movie I wish I could do that bro I can't I have no self control when them trailers be (laughs) dropping man but but yo you're gonna there's there's like a couple of scenes though that they've had in a couple trailers that I know when I see in the theater I'm like oh god I've seen it already like it's Uh, gonna take away some of that so it's good that you're gonna have some like yeah yeah yeah. some scenes that have been repe- repetitive in the trailer is just like mm. it's gonna be fresh for you so I'm happy yeah, I'll be you. the only one in the theater like you yeah, yeah everybody's like, like oh okay, we, saw we, saw we saw that we saw that nope it's gonna be like a Beyonce album I'm just gonna play there it go. over <laughs> and over <laughs> and over I don't care how many times I've seen it like that's it I'm gonna react yeah, every yes. time this movie just yeah. looks yeah. insane I agree so visually all that Mm-hmm. The other thing is I'm seeing it in a na- in a white neighborhood theater. <laughs> so I also need to have the black theater experience. Mm-hmm. But yes. all that sold out right now. But I know once it dies down, <laughs> I can get that later. So I have to do both. And yeah. so um, I, that's at least two times for me. Well, I mean, the first time you're actually going to hear the, the words in the movie. So you'll really get to like, know, yep, this right. is what happened. And yeah. then when you go back and experience like it with everybody else, it's like, oh, the ad libs are going to yeah. be here. Yes. Yes. So. This might even be one to purchase, and I haven't purchased a movie in like seven years. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Netflix, like my daughter needs to see this. So, yeah. Wow. You know. Yeah, I mean, this is one to be passed on from generation to generation. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's gonna make you know one of those as a black film you have to see this. Yeah. yeah. Or you're ostracized from the community. Right. So, yeah. so what what was the version of that before this? 
Man, I mean, you, you know, you got your, 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 you know what I'm saying, your boys in the hood. Well, what, what are the, you know what I'm saying, the movies? Like Friday. Fr- Friday, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like the, Barbershop. But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The stuff you have to I see feel like a black person. low-key Get Out is on that list. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That movie was really good. So, Didn't we talk about that, like, on our first, second episode? Oh, coming up on a year, but we're going to keep that a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, y'all, we really hope that you guys go out, get your tickets to go see Black Panther. We will be having a full episode oh, later in the month about Black. It. We'll have a whole Black Panther episode lined up for you guys. Don't want to say too much. Stay tuned for that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be unpacking just the brokenness of education in America, talking a little bit about school to prison pipeline and uh, ways that Christians and, and those of faith can get involved and help break the chains in the system. What's going on, guys? This is City Image, and this is Daniel, the creator. And it's your boy, Young Flatbush. And Bryant, the theological giant. We just want to thank you so much for all the support that you've shown us thus far. But we just wanted to ask you guys to remember if you haven't already to like us share the content if it's blessed your soul uh subscribe review us on itunes we're also on google play and if you want to keep up with us on social media you can check us out on facebook city image we're also the city image on twitter and instagram and if you want to get in contact with us you can hit us up at city image podcast at gmail.com and again thank you for the support peace and we are back ladies and gentlemen you are in for a treat uh, we're here with a very experienced educator and personal friend uh and sister and Lordesta principal Lordesta, if you could just break down for the people who don't know you um just what your background is in education and just kind of your experience in, in urban education sure lord when you said experience i'm like oh, oh. that sounds like old but no um <laughs> right yeah, I am a nine-year educator. Um, I've been in education for the last nine years, worked in urban urban education settings. Right now, I am a dean of school culture mm. at a charter school in East New York. Um, I have worked in so many different settings. I've worked in every grade, K to 12. I've taught um, English to high schoolers. I taught ELA to middle schoolers and did, you know, grammar with the babies. I taught um in private school i did some student teaching in public school i never really worked in a traditional public school setting um i spent the last six years working in charter schools um i did two years so no sorry three years as a kindergarten teacher and then i transitioned now to a dean and I mean, it's just, it's been a it's been a fun ride. Like, so it's safe to say you're well qualified to <laughs> I speak mean, on this issue. You know, I got a little credentials and stuff. <laughs> you know, That's I'm good. in here. That's good. I does this education thing. I feel you. Now, Lord S, <laughs> was that what you always wanted to do? Absolutely not. Wow. So, what was the plan before education? <laughs> the plan before education. So, I went to Virginia State University, HBCU, uh, HBCU in Petersburg. Shout out to um, VSU. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. I got into college by God's grace, and I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm, I did that step. And then when I graduated, I just was like, life I don't know so Mm -hmm. I had an English degree and came back so I'm like uh what am I gonna do with this and I just happened into editorial I worked as an editorial assistant for a while and I felt like "Hmm, maybe I want to be editor do like a fashion editor or something like that um Mm. stay in that like creative realm I did that for two years and then God was just like no this is not what I have for you like Mm. I'm gonna pluck you out and put you in education and I never like kids never (laughs) (laughs) how about now 
Still working on it. Still, 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 still process. I love them, but I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't into kids. But now that I'm working with them, like I'm so surprised at what the Lord will will do. And wow, it's amazing. That's what's up. So now that you're nine years in the game, mm. you're in these urban education spaces. You've also done non-urban, and so, mm-hmm. um, in your opinion, what are needs that are in the urban space that educators need to be aware of versus just education in you know more majority culture spaces right when you say urban education that can be somewhat of a pejorative sometimes because usually when people say urban education they mean poor black people in the hood Hmm. and like urban education education is so much more vast than that like it's not just poor communities or it's not just you know impoverished communities it really is just more like city dwellings where like there you can have a range of socioeconomic groups of people you can have a range of of class you can have a range of race but um in my experience most of the urban settings that i've been in with charter schools they tend to be in really um disenfranchised neighborhoods they tend to be in in neighborhoods that are of lower socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. but very often when when you get in those those spheres there are a lot of white educators that are coming in because they really want have this notion of like Oh, I want to save the black babies, and I want to I want to help yeah. the poor cities. Mm-hmm. And when they get there, everyone really has assumption that oh, it's these poor black kids, and I'm I'm helping. Mm. They don't know nothing. Mm. So very often, there's this the the need is the sense that there's there's a deficit of mm. the the students that are in these these communities, and that's actually not true. Like whatever educators that are coming in, whoever's coming in to help, like really should be coming in looking at it from an asset based mindset. Like these are our thriving communities. These are people who come from families with really great values. So any educator or anyone that's seeking to come in and help in, in urban education really should check their mindset and, and look at the community that they're going into from an asset-based sense. Hmm. So just following up on that, though, how do you think it changes the way a person is an educator when they come in with the mindset of, asset base versus like savior base like i'm coming in to like save the people how do you think that that shuttle shift in mindset um changes the way the educator approaches the student yeah i mean even in the way that you talk to the child or you talk to the the person's parent if you you think like oh sweetness you don't know anything like i'm just gonna Mm. you know i'm gonna help you like you come from more of a condescending sense in the way that you deliver your instruction or even the amount of work that you put in and the expectations that you have for children like you might think like oh poor johnny he's poor so i I won't require too much of him he can't do it so you won't necessarily put rigorous content in front of the child or you won't necessarily push them to be their best because you feel like oh he can't do it i need to Mm. help him to get the Mm. basics but if you look at him as like as as a child who has assets who has things who already has skills that you're pouring more into you will put more work into it and you will expect more of that child and then for for their communities you'll look at their parents as partners you won't look at their parents as like oh Mm. you know she don't care like you'll you'll have a, a better sense in the way that you approach people that's good so i mean it's essentially upholding the full humanity of the student in the sense that you you think that this person is a fully capable individual. Absolutely. When you look at someone from an asset base, you look at them from their full Imago day. And if you're like, yeah, this person is made in the image of God, this person Mm -hmm. has things, this person has character, this person has 
mental ability. Like I can, I can see them in that way and I can pour into them knowing that I can push them to be their best self. That's good. It's good. And you don't feel like that's happening right now. Not always. Absolutely. No, Mm -hmm. not always. Because if you go work in a in a neighborhood like Brownsville, like yes, there are a lot of projects. There are a lot of you know, um, people who are of low socioeconomic status. So very often, if you come in, you're not aware of that um, community. You'll only look at it from um, the poor aspect, but you won't realize that Brownsville is actually a thriving community where hmm. they have their own centers. Like there are a lot of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, grassroots things that are happening in Brownsville that you'll think like, oh, it's just these little project kids that are coming into the school. Mm-hmm. I gotta help them. They, they, they parents right. don't know nothing. They don't have anything. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's like community activism, grassroots. Brownsville is a community that takes care of its own. So if you're not thinking about that, you'll treat the child mm-hmm. disrespectfully because you're thinking like he comes from nowhere and nothing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback on two things that you said. Just talking about, um, so what I heard was there's this idea of losing the individual. And a lot of times I'll see people um, who are, you know, come from majority culture and it almost seems like they, it's like, no, I understand the struggle. I understand what black and and brown children go through. And so it almost becomes this like branding that everyone who is a minority in their space automatically has this stigma attached to them where it's just like there's no more diversity. And I remember hearing someone on a panel was just like, you know, they told my child, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's got, you know, just a single mom at home. So, you know, I understand the struggle. And it's just like, yo, not everybody who grows up with a single mother is having the same experience. And so there's like a loss of the individual in this idea to try to quote unquote understand what the problem is. Right. And so I guess like, man, how, um, education wise, like, is there anything that's happening in the system that fosters, um, more of an individualistic approach to children's struggle versus taking this idea of there being a systemic problem and making it a brand that they put on the child? Mm. I mean, that, that's a, Big question, like, I want to impact that. Like, uh-huh. taking it back to, like, the Black Panther issue that we're talking about, mm-hmm. like, for a white person looking at TV, they don't ever really have to think about their race because mm. they're constantly represented in positive ways yes. and in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, whiteness is never presented as monolith. Like, mm-hmm. there's all this right. different type of white. But very often, blackness is presented as monolith like oh no all black Mm. people are the same y'all are all poor you all come from single parent households Mm. and even if you do have a single parent like your mom's on drugs or y'all don't you know your house is dirty Mm. y'all don't have money like there's there are these caricatures that are presented of blackness so if that is all that you know or see or experience of blackness and you as a majority group are now coming in and you have these ideas of of this monolithic type of black very often the curriculum is based off of that. Mm. Blackness is presented in the same way, whereas like there's all these varying degrees of whiteness that you see, but your blackness is 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 mm. shown through the same light. Wow. Now to combat that, like there are culturally responsive programs that are happening in mm. education. Like there are different types of curriculum where they try to take um, the scholars' culture, try to take in their you know home life and incorporate that into the culture and then having like black history month not just be this just a month or something that's on periphery like we only learn about black people in february no you actually read passages that include black heroes and and include historical figures 
throughout and even like the way language that we use with children like affirming language making sure that you're speaking positively and affirming them and their character so that they're being built up as people and not just like stuck in these little boxes of caricature Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's good yeah and the second thing i wanted to kind of unpack from what you said earlier was this idea about parent involvement and Mm -hmm. you know so some background i worked for the new york uh, city Department of Education for five years mm-hmm. in a technical support capacity. And so definitely um, not as a classroom teacher, but just being in that system um, uh, for about five years. So there's there's some things that I saw in that in that space that really um, alarmed me. And one of the things, especially now being a parent, was just the lack of parental involvement, especially mm-hmm. in regards to um, our black and brown children. So like there would be moments where like there would be a suspension and the parent would only find out when the kid was like, yeah, I'm suspended. I'm not going to school this morning. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 hold yeah. up. How the mom or the dad didn't know prior to the day that the child is not going to school. And yeah. so um, I feel like it's connected to this piece of just like, yeah, you know, she probably working three jobs. So, you know, like, you know, you know, it's almost like it's our responsibility to parent for her or for mm, him. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if there was anything to speak to that in terms of just like um, the this idea that parents um, are not an asset to partner with, but more so someone just to notify. Right. See, and that is a perfect example of a school that has a deficit mindset about that parent. Mm. If a child is suspended, like you absolutely, I'm as a person that handles suspensions at my school, like the first person that I'm calling is your parent. And we're going to talk about the situation and talk about what happened, like why it got here. Like that suspension is not inactive Hmm. if your parent does not know. Like you, like the first person that I'm talking to is your parent. Because ultimately, like, yes, you're in my school for nine hours a day, but you're parent is the one that rears you and takes care of you like that is an absolute injustice if i'm over here you know dealing something with a child and i don't involve their parent like that's criminal but that very often is what schools do and they think like um his mom ain't around i'm not gonna call i'm just gonna Hmm. suspend him okay who is that child staying home with if i don't tell their parent about the suspension Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but very often in my experience i've seen the exact opposite with parents like they're helicopter parents in a lot of ways. Wow. Like I have parents that will call, text, show up, bird tweet, come to the school <laughs> every single day. Like wow. our, our parents go on field trips, they volunteer in classrooms. Like they, they're hmm. often, when I was in the classroom, like I had parents that would call me every single day. How's Johnny's reading level? What's he doing? Like, I want to know. Like, wow. you have to have that level of communication with parents mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they care. They This is their child. Like, they are their child's first teacher, and they're way more invested than you are. So schools mm. definitely have to mm. look at parents from that, that lens. Wow. That's good. So staying on the parent tip for a second, um, again, as a parent, um, I find that the whole idea of sending your child to school, especially in New York City, mm-hmm. um, can be anxiety inducing. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, the application process is crazy. Um, tr- just understanding district lines, the lottery, just mm-hmm. there's just a lot. And then um, just trying to figure out like this whole idea of what is a good school, right. you know, like, you know, like, do you look at diversity? Are you looking at test scores? Are you looking at the culture? What do teachers say about the principal? And so do you have any advice as somebody who's just kind of in the game of for parents who are just looking for a school? What metrics matter and what may not matter so much that we make a big deal about? Mm. 
I'm just going to be speaking as an educator and not as a parent, but I want to say to the parents yeah. that are in New York City, especially, and are trying to get their children into school for the first time, I feel for you because it actually is a terrifying process. Hmm. And the idea of sending your child to be with a stranger for hours on end, like yeah. I, I'm sure that is anxiety producing. And But there are definitely a lot of things that you can look at to make that process go a lot more smoothly. But really, I'd say, like, it depends on what are your values as a family. Mm, like, what are you looking for um, for your child's educational experience? Mm. I, like, metrics, definitely you want to look at the school's report card. You want to see how they perform on state tests. Um, they, you know, what percentile are they in? You do want to look at distance from your school because, like, how, how long will it take you to get your child? Mm. You want to look at what's the culture of the school? Like, what are their discipline policies? Like, are they excessive on suspensions? Are they excessive on certain things? Um, do you want a strict school? Do you want more of a, you know, creative, flowy kind of school? Like, it's what What are your values? What mm. are you looking for for your child? And what matters to you as a family? Does it matter how much time they're taking on homework? Does it matter how long they are in school for the day? There are charter schools that are in school that's nine hours. Then they have public schools that are in school for five or six. Sometimes they're performing better. Sometimes they're performing worse. Like it, it really is up to your values as a parent. Mm, that's good. So it's it's less what is the best school and more what is the best fit. Exactly. Mm, like what matters to you. And and I tell parents all the time, you have to know your child to mm. know what environment is going to be the best for them. Maybe it is a strict environment that's going to work for your child, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a more creative Montessori type of environment that will work right. for your child. Looking at that child from that asset base of like, this child has a certain personality, they have certain bends, like what is the best fit? And then what matters to me for, for my child to get? Does it matter that they're in a small classroom? Does it matter that they're around a lot of friends so that they're being socialized? Like what matters to you is mm. the biggest thing. That's good. And I, I feel the tension in that because I, I do think that this is a moment where parents really want to like offload that responsibility and kind of outsource right. this mm -hmm. idea of putting my child in a good environment. But I think this is what you're saying is just a place where it's like, look, we can't hang our brain up at the door when it comes to this decision. We really have to go hard and really understand and study our child to really know what would be the best fit for them. Absolutely. Like parents, the Bible requires that you train up a child. In Talk the way about that. Like, <laughs> bring that word in. Okay. Like it is not ultimate. Like we're here to partner together, but it's not ultimately the school's responsibility to parent nor teach your child. Like you are looking for the, the, the best service for your child. So you really have to do that research and know like what, do I want my child to get out of this? What is the best fit for my child? And then from not dropping them off at the door and then that's it. No, yeah. I'm here daily. I'm asking yes. questions daily. I'm, I want to know about his reading level. I want to know what you're reading in the classroom so I can read with him. Mm -hmm. How are you mm -hmm. reading? How are you teaching it? I'm going to do that. And if, if it is that you do have a schedule where you work a little longer, I'm getting the tutor. I'm finding the auntie that works in schools and mm -hmm. having him sit with that auntie. I'm mm -hmm. going, I'm doing a class observation. If I have a day off, like I'm doing whatever it is to know, like it's not just on the schools, not just on the, the, mm -hmm. the teachers. I, as a parent, it's my first responsibility, and God requires that of me. Mm. Mm. That's good stuff. I just felt encouraged right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going through some things. <laughs> <laughs> the word That's will do stuff. that to you. Yes. So encouraged. Now, 
cities. The big thing in cities, uh, you know, over these last this last decade has been the charter school. Mm. And so I know a lot of people have no idea what a charter school is. Absolutely. And so can you break that down for people just real basic? Like, what is a charter school and why should they be interested? Sure. As someone who's worked in charter schools for about the last five, six years. So a charter school is basically a public school that has a separate charter. With under that charter, they just have um, a group of a body that governs their organization, mm. and they have their charter sets specific rules for them. They um, it sets their discipline pra- practices, it sets their financial practices. That's all it is. It still falls under the board of education, but it is somewhat of a separate entity where they are able to make their own individual laws. Mm. There are individual charter schools where it's just like one school. They're independent. Then there are charter networks that run several schools and they fall under that governing body, that group of schools. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Now, are there any intrinsic advantages or disadvantages to looking at a charter school versus a more traditional like public school? Sure. I mean, with everything, there are advantages and disadvantages. I am a charter school proponent um, simply because I've worked in it and I've seen it work Mm -hmm. but i also understand the you know the critics that speak against charter schools Mm -hmm. some of the positive things that i've seen is with the the structure with the um they have more like strict disciplinary practices like there there is a, a a lot of elimination of distractions a lot of elimination of like unsafe things that happen in schools with behaviors that might distract children so very often charter schools are outperforming their district counterparts because like scholars are more focused on the work in front of them as opposed to focus on other distracting things like fights and and all that kind of stuff Mm. on the flip side of that like Mm. with charter schools being a lot more strict in their disciplinary practices it's not for every child. Like there are a lot of suspensions. There are, you know, students who are removed from the school because of, of smaller infractions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it can be a lot on parents because it's like, okay, so my child got in trouble for this little thing, but that is, that is a part of their um, behavior system. So, you know, it, it does affect them. So like there, there are definitely pros and there are definitely cons. There are pros to district schools and there are cons to district schools. So everything has its, its, um, good and bad. No, that was great. Thanks for bringing that down. And just for the people, charter schools are free. Absolutely free. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. Appreciate it. I just feel like I'm in a, in a college course. Right now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, nah, oh, this no, is no, good. Absolutely. I need this. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I was observing. So one of my other, you know, being the technology person, um, I was also responsible for handing out technology and giving it to students who um, had a recommendation in like their IEP mm-hmm. or just like, you know, like they, uh, they were diagnosed with a particular learning disability or something like that. And I would issue them, you know, technology to, to assist with that. Um, I am not a doctor, <laughs> nor do I play one on the internet. Um, but there were students that came in that, in my non-professional opinion, were just very in need of what I was giving them. Right. There were other students that I was just like, "Why am I giving you this? Like right. you, you just seem you were like you were the kid in my class that." was just wilding out or just like I almost like is there an over diagnosis happening in the urban not urban but more minority context that 
um, is kind of over diagnosing our kids as ADD or like, you know, some of these other ADHD and things like that when that's actually not what's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And it goes back to that asset versus deficit mindset. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't understand that this child is just someone who like moves around, he's just playful. Mm. Like that's what five and four year olds do. Like you will think like, oh my God, he's, he's hyperactive. Like have to, you know, get him some medication. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Education tends to be an area that is populated with white women. If you Mm. look at the demographics of education, very often teachers, principals, administrators in education are white women. And I, you know, I really support these women because I feel like like you to take up the charge to be an educator is really a high calling. So I admire them and I respect them for that. But on the flip side, if you have not been culturally trained, if you have not been given the tools to be culturally sensitive to, you know, understand that there are differences in in cultures and respond to that in a way that is appropriate, you will very often lean towards this child having some sort of special need or this child being Mm, emotionally mm. disturbed or this child being hyperactive because you've never really been around a child that looks like this. Yeah. So there is definitely based on those factors a lot of overdiagnosis with, with scholars like there everybody don't got ADHD like right. he just he had some sugar he's he's fine yeah. he, he'll be all right he'll calm down in 2 minutes yeah um i think that when we presented with a lot of these issues it can be very overwhelming and i know for a lot of our listeners who you know are christians bible believing you know individuals um, we really look at the gospel and we see like, man, we are all broken. We all mm-hmm. fall short. Like we're all sinful. Um, and so the playing field, um, should be more even in light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just for those people who, you know, may not be in education, but, um, they're at a church and yeah. they volunteer at the kids ministry, um, or they're just interacting with the children and their family, like mm-hmm. in light of what we understand, um, biblically in terms of um, how the gospel speaks to all of our brokenness and, and, and a white child and a black child are both um, sinful before right. God um, and in need of a savior. Um, when we look at education, is there any participation that we can be encouraging um, from our, our ministry leaders, from the people um, you know on the pulpit who are Um, You know, we're just trying to champion justice and trying to champion equality. Um, What are some ways that people can jump in and and in in light of what they understand theologically, they they could do some kind of participation? Absolutely. Um, Well, there are a lot of factors to it, right? Like if you have a small child or you have a niece or nephew Mm -hmm. or the kids in your your churches, you know, um, children's ministry, like just just talk to them like the major thing that I've learned in education over the years is you want to figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. Like ask the people who are affected by the problem. So ask the children who are in these schools, like, Hey, what's, what's, what's going on? Like, Hmm. what do you like about school? What don't you like about school? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you want to see happen? Like what's going on? Talk to me. Like just have a conversation with the children around you. Like Mm -hmm. even that is getting involved. Even that has a a major impact because then they, they're like, like I'm a person I have an opinion, like I'm able to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Like even that 
affirms and, and, and pushes children and, and that small act can even change their interaction in the education and they can then advocate for themselves. Um, I think also churches like definitely be praying for the, the, the children in schools, yeah. praying for the educators. If you have educators in your midst, like definitely uplift them. Give somebody a hug. I know if, yeah. <laughs> if you know a teacher, give them a hug. Like they, they probably yeah. had a hard day. Um, but just be actively praying. And then if you have the capacity, like um, go volunteers in, in schools. Like yeah. Mentorship is, is huge. Like getting involved in a child's life, it really, it's, it's not just like a, a TV special. Like it really does make a difference when you're involved in the life of even one child. Um, and then for, you know, people who are lawyers, people who are educators, like find out the policy. Mm. And back to like the parents who are trying to figure out what, what school to, to put their child in. Look up what's going on in your 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 child's district. Research. Mm. Find out who the superintendent is. Like find out mm. what district your child is in. Know your child's district number. Like even just the power of research and knowledge, like those are, are small ways that can can transform a broken system. Wow. What about those who might be in, you know, your colleagues, the people who are educators as well, who might not be woke to this might be the first time that they're kind of hearing it broken down in this way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is something that they can do? They're, they're in the classroom every single day. Um, they want to make sure that every day they're making an impact in addressing these, you know, more these large, you know, just systematic problems. Um, what, what are some practical things they could do, you know, just um, you know, as a, as a, as a teacher, as an educator, first thing, check yourself Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. before you wreck yourself, Yo. <laughs> yourself or a whole child's life. Mm. Like just absolutely check yourself. Mm. Um, in my experience as a Dean and my interactions, like I have absolutely had to check myself in the way that I've talked to kids and the way that I've, you know, meted out discipline. Um, cause like, was, was that the best way? Was that mm. loving discipline? Probably not. Wow. But, um, you know, going back and reflecting on your practice and making sure like every action that you take, like, is it beyond reproach? Mm. Is it something that is empowering the child or disempowering the child? That's good. Um, man. yeah. And that's, that's, that's the reality that you have to wake up to as an educator, as someone involved in a child in any capacity, every morning you have to go into that room with a new mindset and, and really just checking like, what am I thinking about the way that I'm doing? Mm. Because if I'm thinking correctly, then I'll act correctly. Mm. They, you'll, you'll say the right things like out of a, a man's heart. Out of his mouth, his heart speaks. Like when, when you are making sure that inside is right, like you're able to pour out yeah. the right yeah. things That's to children so and, and you'll have a better impact on them. So yeah, definitely yeah, it, check yourself first. It, it reminds me of just Philippians chapter two, where Paul is just a simple concept of, you know, putting the interests of others over yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because to me, it seems like a teacher can approach the situation as like, how do I can discipline this child and make myself feel better? Or I can, you know, come down heavy handed and, you know, maybe get some sort of um, happiness from that. But, you know, am I having the, 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 this child's interests at heart? Absolutely. Um, and it's other centered versus self-centered. Yeah. yeah. 
when you look at yourself as an educator you have to see yourself as a servant like you Hmm. you absolutely have to in order to deal with that administration even though i am an administrator (laughs) i have my own administration i have to deal with to deal with parents who are yelling at you to deal with a child who who might be having a tantrum or having a bad day like you have Hmm. to see yourself as a servant so that you respond in a way that is is for their benefit and out of love That's incredible. Good stuff. So one of the things that I really want to talk about is this idea of the school to prison pipeline. Mm. That's a very scary word. I remember when I was first learning about it, it was just like, man, so like, like schools are designed for people to go to jail. And it's just like, man, like just kind of unpacking that. Um, And so it's a really big idea. Um, And so just in your, let's start off just with on the surface, in your experience, do you believe the school to prison pipeline exists. What are some things that you've seen that kind of perpetuate this system of students um, having experiences in schools that almost set them up to be uh, an inmate? Yeah, I mean, the school to prison pipeline is absolutely a real thing, regardless mm-hmm. of whether people or not people feel it or not. Like right. it's absolutely there. Hmm. Um, one major way that that happens is having actual police officers in schools that are the disciplinarians. Like Mm. if, you know, there's a fight, the police are there. And if you're in middle school, high school, like they can cart you off to jail, like because Mm. they're the ones that are handling, handling disciplinary matters. Mm. Um, uh, For the way that the state test is designed um, for your score in third grade, the test that you, the score that you get on that state test determines the prisons that they are building because they, if you have a lower score, they've said that this indicates that more often than not, you will be a, a high school dropout and that will lead to criminality and then that will lead to your being in prison. Wow. A wow. lot of the wow. disciplinary systems like are disproportionately pushed towards black and brown children being put into the criminal justice system. Black girls are suspended at double rates than versus white girls. Wow. Um, small infractions that, that a white boy may get away with a black child would be suspended and 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 penalized double the amount that 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 white child would mm. so it there there are definitely a lot of bends that that push black and brown children toward criminalization and lead up to that um school to prison pipeline wow my goodness now lord s you are a dean i'm a dean okay <laughs> so in my experience in the school system mm-hmm. The dean and and in my, you know, just hearing other people's experiences too, like the dean is like the get out of jail free card for teachers in a sense. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen is almost like there are students and it's like, yo, as soon as they do like one little joint, it's Mm -hmm. like, yo, I'm up dean and they come and they just kind of take them. And so being a dean just kind of wanted to hear your experiences in like, um, do you feel like teachers are in a position to like properly understand the behavior like mm. are they tripping or like are the kids just wilding out all the time or is it that this the, the teachers are just not able to deal with like minority culture um is it a mix of both because um, i just see a lot of just outsourcing of just conversations that could have been had to the dean you got me all in my feelings right now because like that is my like whole experience yeah, yeah. Um, with education. So it, it's, it's a, a mix of all of those factors. Um, as a Dean, like I handle 
the behavior situations, like if there is a large behavior infraction, like I'm the one that comes and handles like the consequencing of that and also the de-escalation of a situation. Mm. Um, so within my training, like our first response is to come see what's going on, de-escalate the situation. And ultimately, my major goal is to get that child back into the classroom as long as it's safe for the child and for everyone else. Very often, there are teachers who do outsource to the dean because it's like, if I am of a majority culture mm -hmm. and I've never worked with students who are from different backgrounds yeah. mm -hmm. and I don't understand that when Johnny is, you know, standing up or when Johnny's walking closer to me, it does not mean that Johnny's being aggressive towards right. me. Mm -hmm. It means that Johnny has feelings and he's a person. So right. <laughs> like you can talk to Johnny and tell him to sit down and yeah. Johnny will probably sit down yeah. if you tell him in the right way. Mm. In my experience, I've, I've had teachers who get scared because there's this large black boy that's walking towards me. Hmm. I don't know how to handle this. Mm. I, I don't want it to get crazy. I'm just going to call Dean. She can handle it. Oh, she black. She, you know, she know how to talk to them. Like she'll, she'll, she'll get him down. Mm. Um, a lot of times deans tend to be um, men and women of color because there's the assumption that the, the culture dean or the behavior dean if they're black, like they can talk to those kids, they can wow. get them uh -huh. back on track. Wow. Um, to combat that, like I am um, in my role is not just to deal with behavior. It's to train teachers on their mindset of how they view black and brown children. Let's go. And then what you do in response to behavior. Like, would you respond to Jacquez the way that you would Jamie mm. if, if it were a different mm. setting? Wow. Yeah. Like, why are you giving Jacquez consequences but you're not giving janessa consequences like mm, there are yeah. mindset things there there are a lot of internal biases that you have to work through and once you know those like you'll understand why this situation makes you as upset as it does because johnny yelled does not mean that you need to call the dean like right. talk to johnny ask him hey are you okay and then figure out what's going on from there mitigate it work it out yourself but right. um yeah teachers definitely need that training in order to do that mm. it seems to parallel what's happening with police yeah. absolutely wow yeah that's all i was hearing the whole time yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely so with the school to prison pipeline it i don't know if it's that the way that children are treated in schools because of this affects the culture or if the culture affects the way that children mm -hmm. are treated right. in schools yeah. like i don't know what comes first but if you do have a sense where children are policed in schools or if there is a over um, penalization of black and brown children like that definitely mm. directly mirrors what's happening in society with um, instances of police brutality of, of mm -hmm. black and brown children being able to be killed because they're playing with toy guns or mm. um, you know black men being shot on the street because they were they were walking or when they had their hands up like they're definitely the two mirror one another so the problems that we're seeing in society are direct correlations mm -hmm. to the school to prison pipeline right. like mm -hmm. the way that you view black and brown children the way that um police view black and brown children the way that you know black and brown people are uh, just portrayed in the media like it absolutely will impact every decision every move that is made mm -hmm. around schools or, or any system that touches mm -hmm. um black and brown people so there there definitely are far-reaching implications um with that school to prison pipeline um it just there's a lot of like negative choices that are made because of the ways that black and brown people are viewed in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like school 
it's a place where you know people go to learn not just in terms of education but also the way they're treated right? absolutely and mm. the way that they, they learn to treat others in a negative way as well yeah you do mm. the the biggest way that you you learn to view yourself is in the way other people speak to you and mm. how spe- people speak right. about you yeah. it's like it, the language that you're using towards me like if if you feel like it's okay to talk to me like this or talk about me like this like that impacts my sense of self Absolutely. and i'm i'm the narrative that you're using around me is the narrative i now use in my mind so if i am constantly being berated or if i am constantly being called stupid or if i'm constantly Constantly being referred to as less than or even yeah. using terms like impoverished like if this is constantly the narrative that I'm hearing it's the one that I'll take on and it's the one that I will project into the world mm-hmm. if there's a student who is always getting in trouble and they're the one that the teacher always penalizes or yeah, their name is right. always called in some negative light they will then internalize that and, mm-hmm. and act that out. They will internalize, oh, I'm the bad kid, I'm the stupid kid mm-hmm. and they will make choices from that place because that mm-hmm. has shaped their sense of self and their identity mm-hmm. wow that's, that's powerful mm-hmm. i think uh lord you you touched on um so as we talk about the the, the school to prison pipeline i guess as how far reaching it is and how it could even you know it f- travels with them post school um you talked about how it is um, an environment where there's police officers in the building and that automatically parallels you know, this almost like police state that we have in the city. And so it's just like, okay, I'm in trouble. I'm going to get carted off by a police officer mm-hmm. in the same way that we see a lot of black and brown young teenagers carted off by police officers. Right. One of the things that um, is really controversial and it's something I know you deal with a lot is suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I didn't know was there are hearings. Like you go to court sometimes when there's a suspension. Yeah. And I never understood like why is there a like why is a kid before a judge mm-hmm. when it comes to a suspension? Yeah. Well, thankfully I work in elementary school, so we don't have hearings gotcha. in, in elementary mm. school. Like I, I guess I'm judge and jury when it when it comes to um suspensions. Yeah. But as an organization, um we are really trying to limit the number of suspensions that are even meted out like is this suspension worthy like there's there are tiers of behaviors that fall under a suspension Mm. unfortunately very often students are suspended and penalized for really small infractions Mm. and they are then having to go to these court hearings and stand before a judge and they are given five um week long um you know, month long yeah. suspensions, like prison sentences, yeah, prison sentences. <laughs> wow. and then they yeah. cannot return to the school until their parent comes They're with on them. house arrest. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> the parent isn't informed. So the parent doesn't even know this is happening. So I can't yeah. come to the school and advocate for my child. Y'all didn't even tell me that my child was right. being suspended. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't involved in this process. So there's just like all these mm. concentric circles that are happening around students being criminalized. Mm. Um, and I know in my role in like suspending scholars, like I really try to think about like, does this does this amount to suspension? Like, do we really have to suspend them? And I've had instances where I've had teachers like out crying for the child to be suspended. And it's like, that's that no, like he, mm-hmm. that wasn't worth mm-hmm. a suspension. Like, what what's more important, you being vindicated right now or this child learning? Like, we have to pick you know for, from from that sense of service like what is best for this child his not being here for five days like is, is that really gonna benefit him and his family or is it you swallowing this one us having a reparative conversation 
and moving on and getting him back in class. Like, is wow. that what's going to mm. be more impactful? Mm. Yeah, it really mirrors the situ- the issue we have in prisons. Yeah. Like, are we really rehabbing or are we just yeah. punishing? Absolutely. Um, and it's crazy that our kids, even at the youngest of ages, are experiencing that lack of attention in terms of looking to uh, create positive behaviors versus just making it sting and, and making them feel punished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really unfortunate. I don't know if it's the mindset that says if if I punish you as hard as you can, you will reform versus yes, like, right. but does that really work? It right. doesn't. It doesn't. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't. Yeah. So I don't mean I don't know. Is would you say what's fueling that is this? Is it more just an innocent, faulty sense of justice, or is it like malpractice in the sense that like there's some like systemic evils involved, maybe some racism? Like, what do you feel like, or is it just like a? Uh, maybe an archaic view of of justice that's still in the system that needs to be kind of rebutted. I mean, any thoughts on that at all? Ultimately, or? every problem in society points back to some form of sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there definitely are massive evils that are happening in the edu- education system. Like people are making choices on children's lives based off of racism, based off of prejudice, based off of evil views. Yeah. Betsy DeVos, like I, I, the 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 choices that she's making in education, it's like, girl, really? Mm. Like, do you care about people? You, wow. you care about humans? Like, you obviously don't. If this is the way that you think about people and these are the, then the choices, like there are absolutely systemic evils at play. The way to combat that then is like, at, yeah, as, as a church, like we have to be praying, but we really need to be thinking about everything that we think. Before I make any decision before mm. a child, why am I making this decision? Why am I talking to this child like this? Why am I giving this child a consequence? Why, why, why? Like what is behind my doing this? Is this mm. coming from, you know, stuff that I've seen before? Is this coming from right. the culture? Or is yeah. this, am I making the best choice? And again, I have not been perfect in this. Like, like I come from a very strict West Indian background. <laughs> we didn't, like we didn't play. Like mm, you, yeah. you, you speak when you're spoken to. Like that. That's how I've been raised, and that's how I've been educated. That's how I've been socialized. And I've brought a lot of that into my education practice. But I've had to check myself. Mm. Like why? Like why do black people beat their kids more than than any other? It's like is that from slavery? Is that from somewhere else? Like why? Mm. Why is that? Like uh oh, Lord, know. stop, stop. <laughs> Right like would, would I be yelling at a white child like this? Like would I would I That's go true. off in this? Tag. Yo, yeah. she's taking it to That's another so level right weird. now. Yes. So you know, like if you know. if it were like if if Blue Ivy were in my class, would I respond this my way? Goodness. So I really you like, I'd be terrified to even talk to her. Right. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm a, you know I'm gonna bite my tongue. So if mm. but every child needs to be treated like Blue Ivy because wow. like every child has that come on that inherent you know worth. Mm. So always thinking about like why am I making the choices that I'm making? Yeah, and I'll say it makes me think about outside, you know, again like outside of, you know, this context we're talking about children and educators, you know, how do I treat the people in my life? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just as, do I do I hold a, a heavy-handed kind of expectation on people? You know, absolutely. I'm, I have the heaviest hand. Like, the, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm very. I have a very stringent sense of right and wrong like if you do that like that's wrong if you do that it's right 
But again, that's the law versus grace. Like, yeah. are we bringing in yeah. that that truth and love right. at the same time? That, like, that's when a good we're way. like, how how restorative are my responses? To exactly. People yeah. Who you know like, come at me or have issues with me? Like, mm. how quick am I to respond and and give forgiveness and give grace versus you know just lay down the law? Wow, that's good. Going back to just kind of again the the pipeline and how you know kids kind of get um, like junior incarcerated in schools. Um, one thing that I always heard about, but I couldn't articulate, what is a permanent record? I would always hear teachers be like, yo, this is going on your, and I was like, is this like when you fill out the job application and you got to say if you was in jail, you have like an infraction, like, yo, this is on you. We could find this in your background check. This is like, this is on your permanent, like, how does that, like, are permanent records ever, like subpoenaed can you is that ever affect a child like if there's something on this permanent record that would affect them in like their adult life like i'm always ter- i don't even know what's in my permanent record right now where is like my permanent i record? forgot about where that. is it yeah but it was always this vault. threat when yeah. i was in school like oh your permanent record i was like it's permanent yeah i just no. care about the Lance book of life right. hey. oh, permanent record permanent hashtag record. Right. the real permanent record right. <laughs> Hey. Yeah, permanent records are not actually permanent. Oh, um, no. <laughs> they do. Misnomer. Okay. Like scare they, tactic, is that yeah, it? Yeah, it's total scare tactic in wow. a lot of ways. Like they Now, again, like there are records that follow you up to a certain point. Okay. But no, like your elementary school permanent record doesn't necessarily affect <laughs> you at 36. So okay. it, it's not, you know, <laughs> there are. Yeah, Thanks for clarifying yeah, that. There are components that go with you, um, like IQ testing and different things like that. Mm. But if you were suspended in first grade, it does not, mm. you know, affect your <laughs> job right. performance. But apparently third grade test scores do follow you. Too. They do. <laughs> like they absolutely do. Um, so they're, they're different. Like you're tracked in certain ways, mm. but, um, like your permanent record can be sealed. Um, you, if it is subpoenaed, like if there is an ACS case mm-hmm. or there, um, you know, there is a criminal case against a child. Like yes, they will pull their their school records if the child moves to another school. Like the the school will send the information that they have on the child. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, like there is redemption within permanent records. Praise like, the it, Lord. It, yes, <laughs> like Praise it doesn't God. it doesn't follow you always. Sweet redemption, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus paid for my permanent record, y'all. <laughs> but, yeah, even that Show language did. that we use towards children of threatening them, like yeah. this is going to go down on your permanent record. Like, that that goes yeah. back to the criminalization of like that wow. that fear tactic of like I'm always going to be punished. I can't make a mistake yeah. at seven yeah. because it's going to affect me when I'm 17. Mm. I can't, you know, I can't Still ever do mistakes. anything wrong because. It's, it's always going to follow me. I'm never going to be able to get out of the, uh, under, you know, this type of stigma. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, the last thing I kind of want to touch on is just like uh, from a with this whole pipeline thing is, are there anything visually or aesthetically that has also played into this? Like our schools design the way the classrooms are, mm-hmm. the way the rooms are set up, the building itself, mm. or just what we are championing and putting in the classrooms. Are there things in there that we are doing and it's actually helping to perpetuate this this pipeline? Or are we designing, even from an architectural standpoint, or even for how we decorate, are we doing things in a way that kind of like, man, we're making this too prison-like? Right. 
I mean, think about the aesthetic spaces that you love to be in as an adult mm-hmm. and the aesthetic spaces that make you more productive and make you feel like Absolutely. I'm a creative. Oh, my gosh. Mm, that's big. Yeah, the elements that are in that. Like, there's a lot of light. Yeah. There's usually a lot of space. Yeah. Um, there's natural lighting. There that's are windows. Yeah. Exposed brick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are definitely aesthetic elements that push you as a creative as an adult. Yeah. So think back to your elementary school experience when you yeah. were in oh school. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we work yeah. up in there no there was no we working happening like yeah. it did not feel like a creative free-flowing space like mm. so now like there are schools um that are definitely trying to push like having larger windows having more lighting making wow. sure that the hallways are bright and that they're pretty and that bulletin boards are neat and the hallways are neat and clean and yeah. everything that is in there um there's a broken window theory that says that if you see one small broken window, that will propel you to want to not care about your neighborhood and it will cause more damage in the long run because wow. you'll think like, oh, if, if there's a broken window here, no one cares about this. So it's OK if I mess it up hmm. and that's, wow. that in, impacts schools. So if there's trash on the ground, if there's one small piece of trash on the ground, that will encourage other people to put more trash on the ground. If there are ripped up textbooks, oh, I can rip up my textbook because she doesn't care enough to give me a textbook that all the pages aren't tagged. They don't care enough to, you know, actually like cut the paper right on the bulletin board. Like nobody cares about the way that this looks. So nobody cares about my education. So I don't care about it. And and it just propels and there's this 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 cycle that happens. So definitely like making sure that schools are pretty and they're clean and they're aesthetically Mm. pleasing so that creative juices can flow. Mm. And identify with all that. Yeah. Anything you could say as a creative to that man? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had a WeWork office for some time Mm. and part of the reason why is because when you get into that specific space, you know, it's it's you know, inducive toward creativity or productivity. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it, it centers your mind. I mean, it, it's it's a well known thing that um, if you're an entrepreneur or even you know um, creative in any way that your your space directly you know in, in, in influences like uh, your again productivity creativity. Like if you have cluttered spaces or it's like messy or dirty, like you know it's a lot harder to um, just have a cl- clarity and thought. Hmm. You know. Yeah. So I mean, it's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. And I know I said this was going to be the last thing, but <laughs> another thing that I see. You answered all his deep, dark questions in the, about in education. In the parallel, right? Because all mm-hmm. these things, you know, the school to prison pipeline, again, this wow. huge systemic issue. No way we're going to exhaust everything here. But just seeing things we do in the beginning show up at the end. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one other thing that I was always curious about is why is there such tyranny around the bathroom? Mm. <laughs> it feels like jail. Like, why can't kids use the bathroom? Mm. I mean, at, at least I mean I know some in high school some stuff went down in the bathroom. Yeah. Some things, yeah. go down. things go down. The things bathroom. go down. Yeah. True, things go down. true. Yeah. Traffic wise, <laughs> yeah. but like I've seen teachers like, no, you can't go to the bathroom until you da 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 da. Why can't that's bodily? Yeah. <laughs> And again, I'm not perfect here. Like I've definitely. <laughs> so this is like I gotta repent. I gotta repent over some of this stuff too. Like you're coming from my soul right now, but I got some students yeah. I need to apologize. Yeah, no, I've been a toilet tyrant in my um, education career. Oh, that's what they call them. Toilet yeah, tyrants? Okay. Um, it, because words. the bathroom is that one und man place. I can't supervise what happens in the bathroom, and crazy stuff happens in the bathroom. I've oh. seen like. 
kids write on the walls. There's cursing. There's like, we've had explosions where kids have stuffed. Um, tissue in the toilet and it's like oh come, come on guys just go to the bathroom mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's a power thing or like no I don't want to let you out here because I'm doing something I'm teaching right now wow. I'm in control I'm setting what's happening here and you're interrupting the flow of control mm-hmm. so it's gonna I'm gonna play this control factor mm-hmm. like you are not gonna go to the bathroom until you do x y and z and yeah. once you've met that okay go ahead because you've satisfied the conditions of my control yeah um so yeah, the bathroom it, it there there is a lot to it. Um, I really now on the other side as an administrator, I'm really trying to like tell folks like just let them go to the bathroom because mm. I That's really what's up, like man. You know, shout accidents. out to repentance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad vulnerability. But, yeah, no, yeah. it's yeah, it many many years in this education thing has pushed me to <laughs> so rethink a lot of the decisions that I've made. But yeah, the bathroom is it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Mm. But it reminds me of just like a prison guard mm-hmm. who will mm-hmm. want to maintain power and will prevent yes. an inmate from doing something that he just has to do. Yes. Um, we so, try to yeah. um, say like to do everything um, purpose over power. Mm. Um, That's good. Yeah, very, very often it's all a, it's all a power move. Wow. Everything that you do in the classroom is, yeah. is, is, is a total power move. Yeah. Mm. But. What is the purpose that you're doing this? Is yeah. it just to make you feel better and assuage your your confidence and make you feel like you're the tough guy, you're the one in control, mm. or is it for the best interests of the child? Gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well. in life, purpose or power. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I'm we, taking that home. A lot, a lot of times, <laughs> we do things and make decisions um, yeah. so that we look or feel or seem a certain way, mm-hmm. and um, you know. Dang. So it takes a lot of humility. I, I'm just thinking about the humility it takes to be a teacher to kind of have to, you know, or not just humility, but it's like, um, what's the word? Um, meekness. Yeah. 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 Hmm. You know, yeah. to have to kind of absorb the, the blows and the hits um, and let your pride be, you know, destroyed um, for so the well-being of someone else. Yeah. Sometimes you literally get physical blows and hits. Yeah. And like, it's, some, yeah. Some I remember instances. some of the stories you told me. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, there definitely are instances of violence, but even in that, like if you have a child that is doing something that is outside of your control or they're exerting their power in the classroom, like taking that moment and, and taking a deep breath and like, what is the best way to respond in this situation? For to to preserve the mago day of that child mm. and for everyone around them, like not to perpetuate certain stereotypes. Mm. Yeah, even if it means you might look like you took an L mm-hmm. at, and you don't have the established power. Yeah, I'm 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 a tyrant, guys. I'm <laughs> like I'm, I'm okay. an absolute edu- like I in, in all of my education. He's working. <laughs> Everybody knows. Yo, it's not an easy job. It's man. not. Miss Branch does not play it's like not there are no games played. And I I definitely do believe in strictness. I definitely do believe in children following rules and and you know they're being disciplined and all of that. But also checking like what is the heart behind your discipline? Mm-hmm. Like wow. why why are you going this hard? Right. It's good. So, so um, just going back to the school to prison pipeline uh, for a second. Um, do you have any thoughts on how that could be like fought against? Like, mm-hmm. like, what are your? Is there any way that I don't know? Maybe teachers or not just teachers, but just educators or just the entire education system can fight against that. Or have you seen any like 
desire for the education to, to fight against that? Or do they not really care? What's your vibe on that? Because I don't know much about it. but There's definitely an issue um, where schools and the edu- educators are trying to combat that notion. Um, it is very broad and it is very systemic. So it like the education system in America is broken um, and it has been broken um, since its inception. Um, the purpose of education in America was not ever meant to educate kids. It was meant to house immigrants and get them off of the streets so that they wouldn't be walking around the streets. Wow. Oh, they they had somewhere that. to go. Like wow. that, that is the history of education in America and especially in New York. Um, so it has been broken since its inception. Now, there are schools that are starting that are trying to make sure like we are pushing rigorous curriculum and we are, you know, setting schools up in a way that it's fostering education and fostering academic progress for black and brown children. But there definitely are a lot of factors that go into it. It's how much um, funding is that school getting? Are are they receiving private donorship? Do they have the right curriculum? Like, uh, you know, all of that matters. Like there, there's a lot that goes into combating that. Hmm. That's what's up for this. Thank you for that. Uh, That's really good information for uh, our educators and people in school spaces and things like that. Um, Brothers, sisters, uh, there's no way for us to answer every single piece of this. This is a very huge topic. Um, It definitely leaves room um, for more conversation on this, something we may have to revisit in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, I do encourage you guys to get out there, Google school to prison pipeline, read up on it, research. Um, There's a lot of good information out there. And if you are an educator or you're a parent and you're really invested um, in children's lives, this is something you have to understand. And this is something you have to get active about. Mm. Lord, that's the principal. Mm. You took us to school. You took us to school today. Yes, you did. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show and just sharing this information, just sharing your heart um, and your years of experience with us. Um, For those of us here at City Image, uh, we hope that this information was really good for you guys. Please continue to like, share, comment, subscribe, subscribe, (laughs) Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, we on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? D City Image. Yeah. On Twitter. D City Image. Email us at cityimagepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. You got to <laughs> Google real quick. We trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. Oh, there you go. That's the new drop. That's the new drop. <laughs> Cutting that out. Cutting it out. That's, That's it. Um, all right, guys. Enjoy. Peace. Thanks. <laughs>